Hello and welcome to the Women in Safety podcast, a place of conversations to empower and inspire you to transform your career. I'm your host, Alana Ball, and we're here today to cut through some of the BS of health and safety. I want to be real, authentic, and most of all, think critically about what we learn, what we hear, and how we experience things in our journey. I want you to take this time for yourself. Reconnect with your passion, reconnect with your career, and join us as we grow together. So settle in and see where this episode transforms you. Hello and welcome back to another Women in Safety podcast. Today, I am absolutely thrilled to be joined by Amy Rusa all the way from Iowa in America. Amy is the wonderful uh, founder of the Safety Rack, and we'll get into what the Safety Rack is shortly. And she's also a risk control specialist at Gallagher. Uh, welcome, Amy. It's been a long time coming. It has. I'm so glad to be touching base with you and being on your podcast. Yeah, we were saying before we pressed the record, we were saying we have been connected and having conversations on LinkedIn for such a long time and we have finally pressed record and we were like, if we don't press record, we'll be here for hours on end because we had so much to catch up on, on everything we're doing really to support women working in health and safety on my space and health, safety and all the trades in your space. So it's so cool to finally have a chat. It is. <laughs> yeah. So let's start, I guess, with your health and safety journey. So you're risk control specialist at the moment for Gallagher, but you've had a really impressive career from a health and safety manager perspective. Talk us through when, how, why did you get into health and safety? I kind of accidentally got into it. I was working retail at the time for a major retailer here in the United States, and they just needed somebody that was could do the checklists, the environmental ones, some safety training, and just manage that documentation. And it eventually evolved into a position with that company. I did that for about 10 years. And if anybody's ever done retail, you know, you work extreme hours and long mm -hmm. weekends and I just wanted more balance. So I decided to take the career leap and really kick off an EHS career with the Iowa DOT, which is the Department of Transportation here. And that was really the starting point to me getting and understanding safety more because I dealt with construction and I did it dealt with industry or general industry here. Because here in the United States, we have OSHA, we have different uh, standards of language that we have to learn. And so dove into that, really helped transform the safety culture there. And then I just kind of started making these little leaps and seeing where my career would take me. I got curious and did some manufacturing. I've done some consulting. I've just kind of wherever the wind took me, I went um, and learned some good lessons along the way. Um, learned a lot about industry, especially with the consulting, because you get to see so many different industries and in consulting. And now I'm going into my 19th year with Gallagher, and I'm just excited for what the next 20 years is going to hold for me. I don't think yeah. I'm going to retire anytime soon. I just, I love what I do. Yeah, that's so cool. And we, we roughly talked about that prior that, you know, we both have such a passion for what we do. And uh, you know, helping people, whether it be, you know, in your full-time role or, uh, you know, in the safety rack for me, for women in safety is, is just so inspiring. And I think 
when you have that purpose-driven kind of impact on your work, it just, it excites you every day. Uh, and I think that's really cool. But it's, yeah. it's funny, the amount of people that say, you know, they fell into safety like it was a mistake, particularly women. Like I have found so many women fall into health and safety. And I find that remarkable. It would be interesting, you know, to hear how many men fell in versus chose that. Uh, I don't know if there's there's a study been yeah. done, but. I don't know. I know like the women, especially for like my women in safety here at Iowa that I founded with uh, Barbara, we have 144 and probably about 70 of those were just handed safety. Yeah. You know? yeah. So it's really like, I think if you're handed this and you kind of learn it, it's every day is different. There's always a new problem that needs to be solved. And if you're a purpose driven individual, you can have a really great career making a difference in so mm. many lives. Yeah, I love that. So you talked about um, some of those lessons learned. What would you say is some of those really big life lessons that you've had along the way in safety? Um, let's see. Early in my career, I was um, really arrogant and cocky. I was not confident. Uh, and some of that might have been with just I was around bad leadership in my early stages of my career. So I was trying to emulate that. Um, accepting that you're going to fail was the biggest lesson and accepting that as a leader, you have to understand that you work for the employees. The employees don't work for you. Those are the two biggest lessons early in my career. Mm. So you have to be, you have to know that you're going to fail at some point, right? You have to know that that's the only way you can build yourself up and become a better leader. And you also have to understand that as a leader, it, and I see this in EHS and I see this in just general people that go into leadership, they get in there and they think, oh, I'm the boss. And now people have to do what I say. And that is nothing but the case. You're supposed to lead. And, you know, early 2000s, I didn't understand that concept. And I was just watching everybody else in the retail that I was in be cutthroat about trying to climb the ranks. And I just, I didn't want that at the end of the day. That wasn't who I was in my core, but that's who I was becoming. And I didn't realize there was a correlation between my bad leadership and my accident rates because nobody was listening because I couldn't make that change. When I started making that change, there was a correlation and a shift in the way people reacted and the way I was able to problem solve and give them the resources that they needed. Yeah, wow. That's really cool. Hey, and funny you say that because uh, I was just looking up, it was episode eight, uh, I did a uh solo podcast all about being authentic and it was around a conversation I'd had with a safety lawyer and him and I were exploring kind of you know the two different careers but kind of both dare I say doing the same thing not really but you get where I was going um and him and I were talking about being prepared to fail and it's inevitable that you will and learning to deal with that quicker was such a a learning that we all had uh, and it was a really, really powerful one. So uh, it's interesting that both of us kind of have that as a, as a life lesson and I can totally yeah. uh, appreciate and agree that level of cockiness in those first few years. Like yes. I think it's I think it's also that, you know, you want to assert that, you, you know, you're there to do your job and that, you know, you, like you have to make your stance almost and I feel like as women – maybe we bring some of that out as a, we want people to listen, but actually yeah. the older we get, the the lessons we learned on um, 
that yeah the cockiness doesn't work and bringing people on the journey and involving them and yeah you know all these different skills that we learn as as we age because <laughs> we're both 21 I, Amy <laughs> oh I know right now I hit 40 this year but no I think a lot back on that because I was reflecting the other day I came across a photo of my last day in that retail job and I was like man the the woman I was then to the woman I am now is two different women oh. and it's so neat to see how I've evolved looking back and I would not trade it. And I look at a lot of younger women that are in, in safety and in trades or in leadership positions. And I, I hear how they talk and I'm like, Oh, that was just like me. And I should say something, but I actually don't, I, I hold back my tongue because I'm like, you have to learn the life lesson. And, and if you are truly meant to be great, you'll learn the lesson and you'll move forward. Yeah, so powerful, hey? That yeah, yeah, like it's that whole you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Is exactly that. Uh, I think it's it's powerful to be able to share these conversations and allow people to kind of consume that content and learn those lessons and go, okay, well, like, okay, now I'm ready to learn more about my own self development and seek out you know, self-plug the Women in Safety podcast to go, okay, I'm, I'm really ready to learn from those that have walked this path uh, or be brave enough that in those circumstances they go, hey, Amy, tell me about your journey. I'm ready to learn. But it's until that that readiness comes that it's like, well, you know, me yeah. telling you how to act would be wasted. Yeah, I don't, I don't put my time and energy into stuff that I can identify. I'm like, that person's not ready to have those conversations. Yeah, now, I remember, and this is just a side one, in retail, we were meant to take on mentors. And I was given a woman that nobody wanted. And they thought it was a joke giving her to me because they were like, oh, you're never going to be able to turn her around. That same day I took her, I was waiting for her to come into work. And I found out she got arrested. And so, and so uh, she finally comes into work. I pull her into the office and I go, hey, you got into the mentorship program. She's like, oh, that's great. And I go, I just want you to know everybody thinks you're going to fail. And your actions last night was the start of that. So you have right here, right now to decide who you want to be. And she did so well that in six months, I actually had to give her off to another person to mentor because she exceeded everything. And Years later, when I left that place, I got an email from her and I still have it somewhere in my office. Uh, her thanking me for being the only one to tell it to her straight and give her a chance. And wow. I've never been more proud of that. I I have goosebumps literally on yeah. both arms because that's so powerful. And I think that is exactly <laughs> that you know, know the time and place to have that brave conversation. And and I think whether it was another female, whether it was another worker, whether it was a safety issue, knowing when to walk away, knowing when to have, I feel like there's a song in that, um, <laughs> knowing, yeah, when to have that brave conversation, I think is just so, so empowering. Uh, and yeah, I would agree, certainly keep the email and, and keep being reminded of why you do what you do. So let's flip quickly across to the wonderful, and I think it, there was two parts that you and I kind of connected on way back when, was that one, uh, you founded the uh, Women in Safety Conference in Iowa and have been pulling together this conference for women working in safety to really come together. Talk to me about what that's looking like, because obviously that excites me. Yeah. Um. So, and I, I know I've told this story before, but like, 
about six years ago, I'm at a conference and I was bugging my good friend, David Hughes, who was with the community college. And I'm like, hey, I would really like to have a segment for just women to talk about women in trades or women in safety and the issues that we face. And he had asked me to go talk to Barbara. And about five minutes after talking to Barbara, we're like, you know what, let's just create something ourselves. And at the time I was working for Aragast, doing a little bit of consulting. I went to my boss, Tracy McDowell, and I'm like, hey, can I go do this? And she's like, sounds like a great idea. How are you going to do it? And I go, I don't know. I'll figure it out. I got That's a future help. me problem. <laughs> yeah, I've got yeah, the passion current, and the will. Let's do it. Yeah. Current me is super excited about this. Future <laughs> me is probably in the background going, what are you doing? Yeah. What did you um, do? Yeah. And so our first year doing that, um, it was just, and it still is kind of by um, word of mouth. We we're like, oh, we'll get like 30 women that will come. And we ended up with like over 60. And after that first one, because it was, it was definitely a rough one. I had a bunch of women come up to me and they're like, do you need help? And I'm like, oh yes, I do. And now we're going into year five. Our group is 143 women strong and it just keeps slowly growing by word of mouth. But the goal is to find women that are doing full safety or HRN safety or some form of safety that they need resources, they need that connection, they need to be able to problem solve, and they may feel alone in the job that they're and they may, may feel isolated as the only female too. And you get a day with us where you get to not feel that way. But more importantly, now we do... Um, bi-monthly lunch meetups. We have the Facebook group. We People can drop, drop a question into the group. And it's just become this big community that I think at the beginning, I never even realized it could be. And I, I look forward to seeing how we keep growing this and making it better because everything I do is for those women to make it stronger for them so that one day, even when I'm not there, that conference is still going for the next generation of women here in Iowa and in the Midwest. Yeah, that's so, yeah. so, so cool. And obviously so aligned, you know, and that's why we had to have this. You, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I, I that's how we met was I was trying to research this and you were just getting started. And we started messaging back and forth because I'm like, hey, um, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing and no, I need advice. Yeah, yeah, I still don't. So uh, any, any airs and graces there, it is a complete smoke and mirrors going on over this side. Right. But yeah, and I think that's where, you know, this conversation and, you know, just being open to that conversation to be like, we have all walked these different paths. We all have a journey to tell, to share knowledge that we can utilise and I think there's real power in that community piece to go, let's have these conversations and overcome these challenges together rather than separate. Um, so then, from what I understand, the safety rack came out of that as well. And it has yeah. been a really powerful movement, particularly in America. But, you know, we see a lot of it here over in Australia. So tell us about where the safety rack came from. So that first year we did the Women in Safety Conference, I had um, a sales rep come up and talk about what was trending in PPE and what to expect in PPE. And as the conversation progressed and he's up there, I start seeing all these women's head kind of tilt to the side, like, and I'm seeing the room change. I can feel the energies changing. And then I realize I've made a mistake as I see the hands go up. And sure enough, I was correct. Where's the women's PPE? Oh, well, we have unisex. And I'm like, 
okay, this is what you do with Airgas. You find product for your clients. Go find the brands out there. So I started finding the brands and I was just connecting it to my Facebook group. I was just sharing it within the Iowa network and then just kind of slowly on like LinkedIn, I was feeling a little more brave to kind of voice up like this is an issue. Here's what I know. Here are the brands that, you know, I wear that I'm buying that I like. And then about, oh, about two years ago, um, my husband started saying, you know, like, you need to do something about this. Um, you have the resources, the knowledge, all this. And at the same time, I'm talking to David over another David. So I have two Davids here in this story. David Rosbergen over at Utility Pro. And he's like, you need to build a platform. And I'm like, okay, everybody's telling me to do this. Here we go. I don't Yet know. Yet again, I don't this, know what I'm doing. But doing. Yeah, I'm um, diving. Yeah. So I I just dove headfirst into it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go buy some products. Some was given to me. I'm going to test it and I'm going to tell women what I think of it. The goal though, is not to be negative about it. I have tested products that don't test well. I send it back and I send it with notes. And actually those manufacturers are redeveloping that product now, which I think is great. The idea though, is that within a few minutes time on the YouTube channel, I'm wearing the product. So you can see what it looks like on my size 14 body. And I tell you a little bit about how I've been wearing it. I don't just, do a fashion haul like you see on Instagram where the woman takes it out and is like, I look so adorable. No, yeah, I'm wearing fit of the on. day. Yeah. Fit of the day. I yeah, don't like, I, I, I don't feel like you and I are fit of the day kind of no. gals. <laughs> I, I swear if I did that, I would get so many phone calls from everybody I know going, that's not you. Where's Amy? Yeah. Yes. Um but I wear it on construction sites. I wear it in manufacturing sites. I wear it in my backyard doing, you know, anything. But I'm testing this for a period of months to years. Um, and I talk about that timeline in the YouTube reviews. And the other part to this is also getting that conversation going that this is a problem. It is not isolated to the United States. It is a mm. global problem. And it's an easy solution to resolve. And we're not resolving it. Mm. The biggest thing I keep getting asked is, well, wh what do you want people to know? We already know this is an issue. I want people to know that they can resolve it pretty simply by just going to their distributor and saying, I want like for like items, whatever we are getting men, you have to have a women's option for. And that pushback by every employer is going to push the distributor to push back on the manufacturer who's finally going to realize here in the United States, we have 8 million women in trades and they need to be fit. Mm. And the, I, I think it's, a myth to say, well, there's not enough women now. It is yeah. very rapidly growing in the last, I think, three years. And I think you can probably verify mm -hmm. those numbers too. But by 2030 here in the U United States, we're going to be a million short plus in manufacturing, a million mm -hmm. short plus in construction. Who better to fill those roles and who are qualified and capable than women? Yeah. And now we're understanding that we can do this, but now employers are behind trying to find women that are going to get into this trade, then you're going to get them trained and you're going to bring them into the workplace and they're not going to be properly fitted. Mm. Come on, you can get ahead of this. It's not mm. that hard, mm. but we tend to think it is because we're so just used to the status quo of this. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't yeah. exist. There's, we got unisex. Why do we need women's PPE? 
because I'm tired of my safety vest hitting a doorknob and bruising my rib cage mm. or tripping out in a yard because my leg or my jeans are men's jeans and they're catching under my feet. Mm. We don't need to be a walking hazard anymore. We just need employers, distributors, and manufacturers, this little triangle to start communicating and working together. But I think it's not even about necessarily the safety hazard. And and I know that there's been some organisations really looking at things like, um, say, working at heights harnesses and things like that as well. So I think the conversation is changing. But I know, and I'd said to you, I'm a plus-size woman. And, you know, the, the sites that I've worked on, it was like, well, your only option was to get men's clothes. And there's nothing more embarrassing than you know, they see the PPE turn up and it's like, oh, you know, you've got a 2XL men's bloody shirt coming and you're just like, yep, cool. I can't even be, you know, I can't even be comfortable in my workwear that I have to put up this front that I'm going to be pulling in and rearranging myself all day because guess what? It doesn't fit properly. It doesn't fit to my curves and my huge (laughs) ass. Um, And I'm just like, I shouldn't have to and I'll never forget we were in Fiji for work and this guy comes up to me and he, he was one of our manufacturing guys. Like he did a lot of our kind of welding and repairs and all that kind of stuff. And he came up to me and he was like, you know, he was um, Fijian Indian and, you know, his English was a little bit broken and he came up and he basically was tugging at my shirt being like, girl, like you've got curves and they're hidden behind these this lump, like, look at where you've shot. Like, it's almost like it was a fashion designer. He was pulling at my shirt being like, why is your, your shoulders are here, girlfriend? Why does your sleeve start here? Like, this is a men's shirt. This doesn't fit you. And I was just like, Mm -hmm. one at the time I was absolutely mortified. I was like 10 years younger and just how dare a man call me out for what I'm wearing, like mortified. Um, But it was all that, 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 that there was. And you know, as I said, as a plus size woman, it, it certainly hasn't been the easiest journey, not only to find female PPE, but female PPE slash uniforms that cater to those extended sizings. So I think we are seeing a shift and I, I commend the work that you do because I know you do it in your own time. And this is a, a passion driven project that I think is just so important. Yeah. And the, the big goal too, you bring up the sizing is I look for inclusive manufacturers to really highlight a lot of the clothing has stopped at a size 10 or 12 or a size large shirt. There are so many great companies out there that actually will go up to a size 30 in the pants, up to a but size 4XL. But it's interesting XL. That, the, that the men's sizes come to a 4 5XL. You know, it, it's, exactly. it's common practice to expect that men have these extended sizes, but that a woman in a trade or in, in health and safety, heaven forbid, should should stop at kind of the size 12. You're just like, this is insane. Yeah. I mean, I started in the trades in a size 8 and a size 14. I don't know what next year I'll be. Yeah. But I got to be able to fit in the clothes. I got to be able to be comfortable and confident to do my job. And if I'm wearing something that doesn't fit me, I feel... De- I feel like eyes are on me and I already feel like eyes are on me when mm. I'm on the job site. You know, I'm literally nine times out of 10, anywhere I go, I'm the only woman. A hundred percent. on that. Yeah. You and, know, and, and if, it shouldn't be a barrier to, and if we think about just the women in safety space, you know, it should not be a barrier to entry to a role that you can't get PPE to do your job. You know, it should be 
an absolute core basic at what we do to be able mm-hmm. to be provided with the right equipment to do our job. There is not a man in this world, I don't think, that would be having this conversation to go, I turned up at a job site and I had to get the female pants or the female shirt because I'm a little bit different in my sizing. There is not a man that would have had that conversation. And I think that's the difference in what you and I do is that it is a barrier to entry to do what we do. And it's, it's an ongoing barrier for us to do our job the best we can. And that's why I commend you for doing what you're doing, because I think we, yeah, it's, it's going to take, you know, and you only did a podcast, po- a podcast, a LinkedIn post recently about how employers can help. And do you want to talk people through, I guess, for our listeners today to go, okay, I haven't really looked at what our PPE kind of policy is. If you, you want the women in safety kind of listeners today to go, what can they do to start changing the needle in their own backyard? What do you think they can be doing and, well, preference this with I am trying to build PowerPoint presentations that I hope to be able to have available soon to anybody that wants to like present this. It needs to go up the ladder. Mm. It needs to go up your leadership team. It needs to get to the C-suite so that they understand what the issue is and they understand the data behind it, right? There is data behind this. Once they have that, it needs to be set as an actionable plan. And I think it's, you know, an easy and simple task to throw this into your diversity inclusion plan for the year, right? Mm-hmm. It's something that's trackable, measurable, and you can have results pretty fast. So by making sure that your diversity inclusion team takes this on as initiative, you are making sure that somebody's tracking this all year, that it wasn't just a meeting or idea in a meeting and somebody signed off on it and six months later, you still haven't done anything. Mm. So we want to make sure that we're tracking this. And then it's getting to your purchaser or purchasing team, whoever does that and doing the teaching and training with them as well. And then having them start pushing back onto the distributors to push back on the manufacturers. And if they feel like they're stuck, well, come to the safety rack. I probably know where to source your material Mm. from. Um, but you got to do I the know, research. And I know that you are speaking to manufacturers and uh, designers here in Australia. You know, off off air, you and I had uh, some conversations about certain brands that, you know, we, we have spoken about. And so I know that you go beyond the borders of America to yeah. go, I know about different brands, like come and talk to what the Safety Rack is doing. Uh, I don't want to just resolve this in the United States. I want to resolve this globally. Well, I think it's a global problem, mate. Yeah, it is. And so I think the more we can educate, because we know it's an issue, right? Mm. We we can talk about that until we're blue in the face. There's plenty of podcasts Mm. that you and I are on. There's plenty of white papers coming out. These incredible female owners that are designing PPE and workwear, they know it. They're like, we're all talking about, but now we need to put in place the actionable steps. Yeah. And so it starts with the education and then it starts with, then it goes into the goal setting. What are you going to do? Because you can't expect to go out, find all these incredible women and then bring them in and not have them ready. That PPE needs to be sourced before they even walk through the door. So you know what they need. And then even after that, every year you're going back into your DNI and you're reevaluating this program. You're looking at it not just from women, but men too. Mm. Okay, we got the women part started, but now let's look at the entire program, really ask ourselves, 
is the PPE working or is it becoming a hazard? Are we buying cheap gloves and nobody likes them, so they're taking it off, and now we have an increase in hand injuries? Mm. Same with safety glasses and stuff like that. And that is something that I still see very consistent when I look at injuries is the gloves didn't work, so I took them off. Okay, that's that's not a gender issue. That's an overall issue. So that's a looking at the PPE and saying, is it actually functional to the job for for men, for women, and then looking at it again. And you just keep going back at it. It's never going to be perfect. But if you keep going back, you're going to identify what's wrong and also what's out there that might be new that might actually be better. Mm. And that's the thing. The technology behind all of this changes so rapidly. Yeah. The manufacturers, you know, the the particularly if we go back to with the women's wear, the number of designers and brands that, you know, and female-led designers and brands that are coming out to fill these gaps, yeah. it is constantly changing. If you haven't looked at it in the last 12 months, you're probably already out of date. So yeah. uh, I think, you know, some certainly uh, really tangible steps for our listeners to take today. So in the essence of time, because you and I have already identified, you and I would speak for hours upon hours upon hours. Amy, thank you so much for joining the Women in Safety podcast today. I hope people can reach out and I will put the in the show notes how to connect with you on LinkedIn, you know, where to find the Safety Rack and the Safety Rack YouTube, because I think just it's, as you said, being able to see you know, different PPE and go, oh, this, I didn't even know it existed go and share that information and share that conversation. So uh, I hope our listeners got a lot out of the episode. Amy and I got a lot out of having a conversation. So if nothing else, Amy and I will go away very happy today. <laughs> yes, we will. And then we'll just keep redoing this every every few years. We'll just jump on and do this again. Let's not make keep it every few updated. years. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Every few months, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I, right. will, I will try to get down to see you soon in person. We'll have to do something. We'll have to film something for everybody. We will. Yeah. 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 I'm not much of a model though. <laughs> we can do a fashion show. Ooh, wouldn't that be fun? As long as I I've can already... be behind the scenes. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Face made for radio, there. mate. Uh, <laughs> anyway, thank you for joining us, Amy. And we will connect everyone with all the information to connect with Amy, the safety thank rack. Thank you. Uh, and we'll go from there. Thank you for having me on. Cheers. Wow. What an episode. If you loved today's episode just as much as I did, we'd love to hear your feedback or even better, share it with your friends, your colleagues and other safety sisters or safety misters so they too feel empowered and inspired. We will catch you for another conversation next time and we hope in the meantime you start implementing some things to transform your career.